Pump the Top on another exciting edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. There it is now. Now the fizz. Well done. You'd have second career there. (laughs) I've been doing sound effects since I was a kid. (laughs) Do that one more time. That was very good. Very nice. But you still need to have that. Do you have Jim Ed Brown's Papa Top loaded for us to play that, too? I think I don't. No. The best guy who did that, and I do not remember his name, but he was a comedian. He starred in the Police Academy movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was fantastic. He is awesome. Whatever happened to that guy? That's a good question. Well, we have more important fish to fry right now. (laughs) We're going to go over to the fish fry with Joe Gangwish. Yes, well, thank you very much. Well, we have an alert from the Nebraska cattlemen that there may still be animal rights activists lurking around central Nebraska. A dark green Dodge pickup with Illinois plates was seen near the Meat Animal Research Center this morning. If you suspect any unusual activity, please contact your local authorities, and we'll have more details on that at 12:13 in our ag news if you can't wait it's on the homepage at ruralradio.com at 12:19 Dewey gets an update on the markets with Water Street Solutions newsmaker today National Cattlemen's Beef Association president uh, or he's actually the vice president of government affairs that's Colin Woodall uh, giving their stance on legislation that's been introduced to reform checkoff programs this is part 2 of that series and then Shaley uh, will have that interview. She's back at 117 with Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson. They are looking at the progress or lack thereof on property taxes in the Nebraska legislature this session. I'm going to bet we do get Colin Woodall on today. Okay. okay. Yeah. That, <laughs> Thank that you very much. Me. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Jason Jorgensen on sports. It's raining at Churchill Downs. Uh, of course, been a ton of rain across the country the last, mm-hmm. what, week and a half, two weeks. Sounds like this one could uh, make things difficult for some of the races they have tomorrow, but they hope by Saturday things will dry off. If it rains, it rains. wouldn't be yeah. the first time they've had it in the mud. No, but it that wouldn't. Might, that might change how people throw their money down, though, and they bet on the thing. Yeah. So we'll touch that. Also good news for Sioux City. They will continue to host the Division Two NAIA Women's Basketball National Tournament, that big event uh, has been up there for the last 20 years. 20? Yeah, so it makes it the Tyson Event Center. So it makes sense they'll continue to have it. That's a big event for those folks in the spring. We will tell you more on that. And, you know, they always say, at least I've heard, or maybe it was from the movie Ricky Bobby, <laughs> if you're not cheating in NASCAR, you're not trying. <laughs> Joey Logano has been caught after he recently won. So he had issues with his suspension. Yeah. And that's pricey. Cost the team fifty thousand dollars, a bunch of points, and crew chief has Ouch. to take the next two weeks off. Ouch! So. Wow. Looking for any advantage you can get, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, new, newer yep. generation cars, huh? Mm-hmm. Not sure it's worth They're, getting caught over. Well, they run the risk. I Sometimes it'd, it'd be interesting to know the cheating that happens that isn't caught. <laughs> we only <laughs> hear about that that yep. was. Well, we'll have to reread. Do you that. get an expose on that? I'm not qualified. <laughs> we'll reread the Ricky Bobby biography on that. Okay. Bob Brogan? Energy companies taking some losses with oil dropping to its lowest price in nine months. Stocks are mixed. The number of Americans filing for unemployment benefits has fallen after two weeks of small gains. The, uh, the uh, Republican health care bill has cleared an early house hurdle. And uh, it's moving toward a final vote. That's what we're watching right at the moment. Details in all of these stories and more today on Midday. 
Time to bring in our eye on the sky. That's Paul Perkins brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer in Holdridge, Lexington, Alda, and Ravenna. You need some wall-to-wall sunshine for once here, not just some intermittent pieces of sunshine. <laughs> I'll tell you, I think it raises everybody's mood yeah. a little bit. It was nice to get the rain. and yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and of course, a lot of things going to really green up over the next few days because we had all that moisture. Now we're going to get the sunshine and warmth, and if it hasn't greened up already, it will definitely do that over the next few days. Circulation today around high pressure building up from the west will result in some north winds and the return of those sunny and dry conditions. Conditions to the area as that area of high pressure moves overhead tonight. Temperatures cooling off quickly once again with clear skies and light winds. Patchy frost will be possible tonight in western areas of central Nebraska and points to the west or basically along the west of a line from Ord to Lexington is where we could see some patchy frost for tonight. That ridge of high pressure moving overhead for tomorrow through early next week. That will maintain the warming trend and mostly dry weather. Temperatures in most areas expected to reach the 80s as opposed to the 30s that we had this last weekend. So within a week's time, we're going to be in the 80s. Right from the freezer to the frying pan is where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess there's plenty of Wesson oil involved. Don't be all right. <laughs> Afternoon heating and some minor disturbances uh, as we head towards early next week may trigger a few scattered thunderstorms. Looks like a better chance of moisture starts to arrive for the midweek. Some low pressure and a cold front starting to track across the plains Wednesday into Thursday. And the forecast bundles are starting to come into a better agreement for a good chance of some rain and thunderstorms, but still some details to work out. Some changes to the warmer side in our long-term forecast. Temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas now forecast to be warmer than normal Tuesday through late next week. And then a trend closer to normal or seasonal next weekend through May 17th. Earlier we were thinking by next weekend we were going to be below normal on temperatures, but now just looking at seasonal temperatures next weekend through May 17th. The long term maintains an active outlook, though, with above normal precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through May 17th. Soil temperature is at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning in the low 40s in much of west and central Nebraska. And western Kansas, soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s with some low 50s found along and east of the line from Norfolk to Kearney, Phillipsburg, and Garden City, or basically eastern Nebraska on into central and east Kansas. Good news in the latest drought monitor. After that moisture last weekend in the way of some rain and snow, the only areas where there are dryness concerns right now, some small areas, Holland, Hamilton County, and from Imperial to Sydney in southwest Nebraska, and both of those areas just experiencing abnormal dryness. So some welcome news in the drought monitor. Weather factors driving the market trade today include a significant contrast in conditions across the Midwest and a turn to warmer temperatures in the southern plains. Heavy rain in the forecast for the south and east Midwest through tomorrow to further delay spring planting and add to some flood concerns. Western areas of the Midwest and the northern plains will be drier and warmer to help with their progress on planting. For the Delta, heavy rains, flooding issues, and cool conditions recently stressing the early crop growth and winter wheat, but things are looking up for the weekend with a drier trend. Thunderstorms in Argentina this week, this weekend may delay the corn and soybean harvest a bit, but the rain will help out with the planting and the development of winter wheat. Recent rain in Brazil favoring the second crop corn development, but the recent cool weather did slow the development a bit, but it should be warmer in the next five to seven days or longer. And in Western Europe, there are reports of a late April cold snap that may have caught wheat in the heading stage in North 
and northeast France. If that verifies, it likely means some reduction in yields for them. All right, Ag Weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Phone them at 308-995-4000. Now, these forecasts are also talking about, I'm looking at the temperatures, and I'm saying, how do you get frost out of that? Yeah, well, yeah, in those low-lying areas, because, yeah, we're looking at some upper 30s, some mid and then in those low-lying areas where we could see some of those patchy areas of frost. Because if it does get to 38, that's when they do start uh, noting or taking concern that we may see some frost in low-lying areas, especially with the winds that will be very light tonight. All right. Well, I'm not putting any of my hard-earned <laughs> money on the bed. You know, it should, it should be pretty good shape. When you need areas. weather anytime, of course. It's at krvn.com. information here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Joe Gangwish. Well, we've received an update from this morning from Nebraska cattlemen that the animal rights activists said that were located in the area yesterday could possibly be driving a dark-covered Dodge pickup with Illinois plates. They were spotted near the U.S. Meat Animal Research Center this morning, and they could find Nebraska. The same vehicle was reported being seen near Adams Land and Cattle near Broken Bow yesterday. If you suspect any unusual activity, Please contact your local authorities. Again, while this is entirely speculative, the activists may be trying to capture images of dead carcasses from this past weekend's spring snowstorm before the rendering trucks arrive. Uh, NC strongly urges all members to immediately cover any dead animals. If you see any activists on or near your property, you're asked to not confront them. The activists likely trying to record a confrontation with the producer. Instead, immediately call law enforcement. More information on that can be found at ruralradio.com. Legislation introduced to reform the checkoff programs has ag groups from both sides chiming the fence. Let's get more on that from Shaley Peters. While ag groups like RCAF, USA, and National Farmers Union are urging support of this legislation, others, like the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, are staunchly against it. Vice President of Government Affairs for the NCBA, Colin Woodall, says he sees a couple of red flags with it. The members of this association and also cattle members across the country <clears throat> They're not sending the signal right now that anything needs to change. It's also concerning that this legislation is sponsored like by people like uh, Senator Cory Booker, who's a Democrat from New Jersey, who knows nothing about checkoffs and knows nothing about the beef industry. So I think that's a, a red flag in showing that this legislation is, is bad. Woodall says he thinks the legislation will only make it as far as being introduced. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters. LB 461 was heavily debated in the legislature this week and ultimately failed to advance. Nebraska Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson supports the outcome and he says he thinks there's still time to get something done. We see it as a sign or a strong signal that there is an interest in doing more for property tax and less for income tax. That was pretty clear in the debate that the bill did not do enough for property taxpayers in the state of Nebraska, and that's certainly a concern for uh, the issue that we've been raising uh, all along in the discussion. And so we believe that that's a lot of the reason that the, that the bill didn't move forward in its current form. At the same time, I'm optimistic that there's still opportunities to uh, make progress on the tax issues in in the state of Nebraska, and, and even though the days of the legislature are are coming closer to the end, there's still ample days here to move forward. 
LB 461 would have given $1 in property tax cuts for every $10 in income tax reductions. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has launched a repeal and replace of the Waters of the U.S. rule by sending a proposed rewrite to the Office of Management and Budget this week. That's according to a posting on the OMB website. OMB is reviewing the proposed rule before it's posted to the government regulations website, and that is at regulations.gov. Once that occurs, the rule will be subject to a public comment period. Now, currently, the WOTUS rule is hung up in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit in Cincinnati. A legal question remains about whether the court is the proper venue for a number of lawsuits filed against the rule. The U.S. Supreme Court is expected to review the jurisdictional questions sometime yet this year. We have lots more ag news for you, including video and podcasts. Just go to RuralRadio.com. This is the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and we've mentioned this before that today is kind of a general commodity sell-off day. And by that we mean oil is down, even the dollar was lower, silver, gold, both down, and of course the grains are down. With us, Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Dean, when you don't have the positive news and when funds decide to just get out of the market, this is something that could happen. Uh, Let's touch a little bit on the corn and soybean market. Well, corn is losing ground to soybeans today. Yeah, it is, and I think that there's some connection to, you know, the weakness that you're seeing over in the wheat complex, but you're exactly right with the the fund selling. We've got so many um, connected commodities inside the baskets that when you want to move away from from commodity ownership, it really has a broad-based effect. And so I don't think there's uh, too many parts of the country right now that are feeling ecstatic about the... uh, the start to the corn season, but the market is always reluctant for any type of planting delay rally or, or buying into any, <clears throat> you know, problems this early in the season. And it's, and it's you know, still early May. In the east, however, though, um, we, we're going to be seeing some big replants. We're going to be seeing extended wetness here into the east as well as cold weather. Uh, but it's going to be better conditions, it looks like, uh, in the west and in the north uh, moving forward in the next few days. Maybe not enough positive news, though, to spur the market. The July corn contract, hasn't that really traded in about a 20-cent trading range for months? It really has. I mean, you could, you know, short of the rally we had in February, early March, you can go all the way back to last harvest. Um, and it's it's basically traded inside 360 and 380 the entire time. And right now, I think your bull bear line is uh, getting this market in July above that 380 zone, um, and I think it will creep its head out and, and move up. You know, you do have the funds that are huge shorts in wheat and in corn, somewhat short in soybeans, and so they're they're eager to defend that position right now. They are trend followers. They are they are not necessarily as fundamental or or even as technical as you might expect. And so the question will be: growing season concerns coming in. If that gets them trapped with their shorts and they need to cover. You know, that still is kind of this underlying opportunity uh, that I think a lot in the market are, are betting on and, and waiting for, at least on our side of the ledger, um, as the producer. We're talking with Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Dean, is there a chance, though, with more being known about damage to the winter wheat crop in Kansas and Oklahoma and Colorado, that we have some upside potential possibly late next week in uh, Kansas City Futures? Yeah, I think uh, this break in Kansas City is would be a hard one to justify selling. 
Um, you know, and, and you uh, look at the, the wheat tour, they really didn't, weren't able to assess a lot of the heavily damaged wheat. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd be reluctant to be too aggressive um, until we get into next week and know more about the condition of the wheat crop. There could be some, some changes there. So I think possibly more upside in the wheat market, but this is a pretty big break for the day. What about the latest possibilities for an upside move to soybeans? Yeah, you know, with soybeans, you've got to watch the meal market. Uh, oil has been the strongest of the bunch, and that's always a precarious uh, situation when you're being led by oil. you got to see meal uh, pickets head up. There is demand out there, uh, but there's plenty of supply, and it's uh, hard, to, hard to get the bean market going yet. Thanks, Dean. Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. For more, go to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time for us to check sports, and we do that with Jason Jorgensen. Thanks, Derek. Well, rain is pelting Churchill Downs at the start of an expected three-day stretch of wet weather leading up to the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. The outlook for the Kentucky Oaks on Friday isn't encouraging with a 60% chance of rain. Now, the dirt track at Churchill Downs does have a reputation for rapidly draining and drying. While there undoubtedly will be some residual moisture on the surface, it may not be muddy come derby time on Saturday. After just completing its 20th straight year as host of the NAIA Division II Women's Basketball National Championship, the city of Sioux City has earned a two-year extension to continue its duties. The Tyson Event Center will continue to serve as the venue for the event through 2019. The 2018 championship is slated to run March 7th through the 13th, while the 2019 event will take place March 6th through the 12th. In college basketball news, South Dakota will play Duke in men's basketball next season. Of course, the game will be played at Cameron Indoor Stadium on December 2nd. It will be the first ever meeting between the two programs. And former Husker forward Ed Morrow's found a new school. Numerous outlets have him transferring to Marquette. Per NCAA transfer rules, he will have to set out the upcoming year. Broadcaster Vin Scully returned to Dodger Stadium yesterday, cracking jokes and telling stories as if he'd never left. Chris Scully retired last year following his 67th season broadcasting Dodgers games. He was back at the ballpark yesterday to become the 11th inductee into the Dodgers' ring of honor prior to their game with San Francisco. Of course, he shares the honor with the likes of Jackie Robinson, Tommy Lasorda, Pee Wee Reese, and the late Don Drysdale. GPAC postseason baseball tournament starts today. The host schools are Concordia and Midland. Now the winner of those two brackets will then meet for the postseason title. And they always say in NASCAR, if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. Well, NASCAR has penalized Joey Logano four days after his win at Richmond International Raceway, essentially stripping him of all the benefits that came with that Monster Cup Series victory. The sanctioning body issued Logano and Team Penske an L1 penalty today. That was for a rear suspension violation. The infraction was discovered during teardown at the R&D Center in Concord, North Carolina. That means the number 22 team was fined $50,000 and docked 25 driver points and 25 owner points. And crew chief Todd Gordon was suspended to races. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
Sunny skies today, highs in the upper 60s. I'm Dave Schroeder. Police say a Lincoln man was arrested after two men fell out of the back of his pickup truck. Court records say 33-year-old Jesse Rabago is charged with two felony counts of failing to stop and render aid. Police say the two fell out of the pickup about 10 minutes apart at different locations in Lincoln on Tuesday night. One man was taken to a hospital for treatment of a brain bleed. The other also was treated for a head injury. Hundreds of people attended a Keystone XL pipeline hearing yesterday at the Holthus Convention Center in York. The meeting gave the public the opportunity to voice their opinions or concerns about the pipeline. Peter Bardison, a member of the Laborers International Union of North America, has been involved in several pipelines across the Midwest. While many question the safety of the pipeline, he feels confident in the technology and construction of the pipeline. We take pride in our work. We are very trained. I mean, safety is number one. We do not want to lose one person. Everybody is going to go home at the end of the day to their husbands, their wives, their kids, everybody. Shannon Graves is a York County resident who says a pipeline will be built within 275 feet of her house. She says that while there may be hundreds of miles of existing pipelines through Nebraska, the Keystone XL pipeline is a different animal. This is not a natural gas pipeline that feeds our homes and our businesses. This is not an anhydrous pipeline that fuels the farmers, their fields. You know, this is not gasoline or diesel that fuels our tractors. This is totally different substance. This is tar sands and it does not have anything to do with Nebraska. We're just an alleyway for them to get their product from point A to point B. The $8 billion pipeline would transport oil from Alberta, Canada, across Montana and South Dakota to Nebraska, where it would connect with existing pipelines that feed Texas Gulf Coast refineries. A man's been sentenced to more than 28 years in prison for killing another man in a western Kansas park and shooting at pursuing law enforcement officers. 39-year-old Bobby Talent of Norton was sentenced Wednesday for second-degree murder, attempted second-degree murder, and other related charges. Talent was previously charged with first-degree murder in the March 2015 shooting death of Joseph Sweet in a city park in Norton. He is arrested near the Nebraska border after a chase. Talent's trial was moved from the Norton County to Graham County after a mistrial was declared in October when a Nebraska television station unknowingly aired footage of potential jurors, which isn't allowed. News happens anytime, anywhere. Send word to us with a tip under the news tab at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Last month, the Opportunities for Fairness in Farming Act introduced companion legislation to reform checkoff programs. And just last week, more than 80 farm groups asked congressional lawmakers to reform commodity checkoff programs in a letter sent to U.S. Senate and U.S. House of Representatives. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network and here to visit with us today about this and give their perspective. Colin Woodall, Vice President of Government Affairs with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and Colin, reform in checkoff has been something that's been in the news here on and off for longer than just this last week or last month but touching on that again can you give us an update and kind of where you guys stand at ncba with it there has been legislation that would do two things one make checkoffs voluntary 
and two, it would prevent any organization that employs lobbyists from being checkoff contractors. And NCBA is against both of them for several reasons. One, when it comes to the voluntary component of that, and that was a decision made by the industry when the referendum was initially held to make sure that everybody pays because everybody benefits from the work of the checkoff. And the checkoff still has well over a 75% approval rate. So the members of this association and also cattle members across the country, <clears throat> they're not sending the signal right now that anything needs to change. It's also concerning that this legislation is sponsored like by people like uh, Senator Cory Booker, who's a Democrat from New Jersey, who knows nothing about checkoffs and knows nothing about the beef industry. So I think that's a, a red flag in showing that this legislation is, is bad. And when it comes to the issue regarding uh, trying to prevent organizations that employ lobbyists from being contract, uh, contractors to the checkoff, that just shows a fundamental uh, misunderstanding or, or complete um, misunderstanding of what the checkoff does and how it operates. You know, the NCBA has separate divisions, separate accounting systems, so checkoff money is not used for anything that we do here in Washington, D.C. It's not used for lobbying, and that is audited not only internally with our systems, but also by USDA, and more importantly, the Office of Inspector General at USDA, and has shown that we are not using those funds for lobbying. So both of these are based upon uh, misperceptions about the checkoff. What is the timeline look like for this legislation? Is it something that we'll see sooner rather than later, or do you think it'll be drug out here? You know, this legislation, like a lot of pieces of legislation, has been introduced, but that's probably as far as it's going to go because we know that the House and Senate Ag Committees understand checkoffs, and they realize that these bills are unwarranted and are baseless. So they are not going to give them any opportunity for a hearing and definitely not an opportunity for a vote because uh, we have chairmen of both those committees who understand checkoffs and know how they operate. And another red flag is the fact that the Humane Society of the United States is supporting this legislation. So you have groups out there that purport to be uh, on the side of cattle producers who have hitched their wagon to the Humane Society of the United States, which wants to put our industry out of business. So I think that's also another clear indicator that this is legislation based on a political agenda rather than any wrongdoing or real concern. So that's why we remain not only against this legislation, but feel very confident that it won't get a vote, even if it does. Uh, we know that we've got a great story to tell on not only the work that the checkoff is doing on behalf of all cattle producers, but the fact that no checkoff money whatsoever is being used by NCBA for our lobbying activities here in Washington, D.C. I mentioned here when we were visiting that a letter was sent by some other ag organizations, but no concern there on your end with this letter or obviously, as you just mentioned, this legislation? Well, when you look at the organizations that were attached to that letter, signed that letter, they don't have a track record of being too successful in Washington, D.C. Uh, they have a track record of being rock throwers that are basing their actions off of a short-sighted political agenda rather than actually trying to move things forward for our industry. So I think, that, again, the fact that it's those organizations and that they are partners with HSUS that shows that uh, the, their, their concerns are unfounded, their uh, requests are uh, unwarranted, and that we will continue to do everything we can to make sure that the firewall between NCBA and the checkoff is defended appropriate, and more importantly, make sure that members of Congress understand how the checkoff actually works 
rather than the way it's perceived by some within our industry. Thanks, Colin. Colin Woodall, Vice President of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, again visiting with us today about some legislation that has been introduced to reform checkoff programs. For more information on this, you can visit RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Back on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, about the uh, livestock futures today. Didn't disappoint anybody as far as lacking volatility, though, did it? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, big, big day uh, in the cattle. Uh, big volume. A lot of trading uh, taking place. We're going to finish mixed in the live cattle, lower in the feeders. And we started out uh, with the June cattle opening uh, up near limit and uh, stayed limit for a while. And then uh, I think we got into some profit taking market uh, pretty overbought. And uh, I think that's uh, where things had come from. We had seen a lot of liquidation uh, based upon the uh, uh, final results of the uh, uh, trading yesterday. So I think that just continued today because we've had the, the contracts uh, well participated in. And uh, today, no exception, we do finish lower in the back end of the live cattle. Feeders a little bit, a lot lower, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, triple-digit losses there. And uh, uh, well overpriced at this point uh, based upon uh, the index, whereas the uh, live cattle still has a discount uh, to the last trade. And the active trade out in the country uh, is the thing that sparked the opening this morning. But uh, we uh, came under some pressure. The opposite in the hogs, pretty benign over there, really. We do finish higher, uh, but it was a pretty uh, steady flow of uh, uh, buying, this coming from uh, stronger cash and uh, stronger uh, cutouts in the pork. Uh, now, we did have higher uh, cutouts in the, uh, cat, in the uh, beef, but uh, noticeably uh, disappointing uh, volume. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached at Great Plains Commodities, 800-328-0134. I'm Dewey Nelson. We've been following along with legislation that has was introduced into the Nebraska legislature, LB 461, something that has been hotly debated in Nebraska legislature here as of late, but ultimately will not be advancing forward. Here to visit with us today about that is the president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau, Steve Nelson. And Steve, this was hot news last week, and then it got brought up again here with just a few days left in the session. Talk to us, give us an update on what exactly happened with LB 461. Well, the legislature uh, chose not to move forward with uh, LB 461. Uh, what uh, we see it, it as a sign or a strong signal that that uh, that there is an interest in doing more uh, for property tax and less for income tax. That was pretty clear in the debate that that, uh, that the bill did not do enough for property taxpayers in the state of Nebraska, and that's uh, certainly a concern for uh, the issue that we've been raising uh, all along in the discussion. And so uh, we believe that that's a lot of the reason that the, that the bill didn't move forward in its current form. At the same time, I'm optimistic that there's still opportunities to uh, make progress on the tax issues in, in the state of Nebraska and uh, and even though the days of the legislature are 
are coming closer to the end. There's still ample days here to move forward, and I know that there's a lot of discussion taking place uh, with ways to uh, provide uh, property tax relief that is truly needed for all property taxpayers in the state of Nebraska. And so uh, uh, we're continuing to work on those kinds of compromises and, and uh, encourage uh, state senators and, and the governor to continue to work as well to find uh, uh, solutions to uh, certainly what we have here is a very significant problem. What direction do we head from here then? You mentioned, uh, you know, there is some time left to maybe get something done. Do you foresee that happening in this session? Or uh, what do you see happening moving forward with a property tax discussion? Such a big deal specifically related to those involved in agriculture here in Nebraska. Sure. Well, again, what I would say is that there is time uh do something yet this year and uh, I know that there are a lot of discussions that are continuing to take place uh, and again I would encourage senators to, uh, to take a look at the the uh, options that are out there and some of the proposals that are being talked about and uh, and work towards uh, bringing, bringing those uh, measures to the floor. I think that again it, uh, while it, it's not easy and uh, and that, that it, it will still take a considerable amount of work, that, again, there is time. And, and so uh, what we're working to do is to help in every way we can to make sure that, that we have real and meaningful property tax relief this year. All right, Steve, thank you so much for your comments here. Nebraska Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson giving an update on LB 461. Again, that was something that has been hotly debated in Nebraska legislature here as of late, but ultimately will not be advancing forward. However, Nelson says while time is running short, he's still optimistic that our elected leaders can rally together and address property taxes in this session. For more information on LB 461 or property tax you can visit ruralradio.com also catch us on twitter at the rural radio network or facebook i'm shaley peters and you're listening here to the rural radio network dewey nelson on the rural radio network in a general commodity sell-off today with us John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And it looks like wheat was the story today. Yeah, well, so, you know, obviously the, the news will be the crop tour wrapping up. I think production around 280 million bushels is projected now. It's still really early. I, I, I have a hard time taking any of this stuff with a, you know, much more than a grain of salt given that, uh, you know, the, the measurables out west are, are difficult to, to get at this point. But let's say we do a 40 bushels an acre when you throw in the, the abandonment. You're still looking at a, a wheat number for Kansas that's, you know, in the bottom five in the last 15 years. Um, is that enough to really get the market moving higher to the upside? Well, I think you've seen kind of the buy the rumor, sell the fact type of deal this morning. I actually think we'll make a low here shorter term, maybe close that gap somewhere around like 435 July, Kansas City, and then maybe presume higher here. But really, the story is crude oil and, and some of the more industrial metals that have just fallen apart here the last really the last two or three weeks. But really started to accelerate this morning. We're making new lows here as I'm talking to you guys. Uh, crude down about 5% today. Uh, and that is not going to cut the mustard. If we're, we're going to see this thing fall, that is going to lead the rest of the commodity space lower and uh, you know, bring the selling back into the vogue. The good news about being a grain trader is everybody's pretty much short already anyway. So uh, we're, we're strung out that way um, on the spec side. 
to get this thing really turned around, though, we'll probably need need more weather. Uh, we are getting it out this way, but at this point, market doesn't seem to care. It's all macro focused at this moment. What's it going to take to turn the market around? Uh, maybe next week we'll find out if there's more damage to the hard red winter wheat crop that could spur a little rally. I think that could be it. I think out east here we're you know looking at replant and then those forward forecasts what that will allow. Um, boy, I tell you what, dude, it's pretty dark uh, out there. You know, you would have thought, given the rains we were getting in central Illinois, I had some of the guys I work with here that they called me up like, what is going on? Why? You know, they would have thought we'd been up 10 cents, given that uh, they're essentially flooding out their recent, recent uh, attempts to plant. Really, anybody from northwest Indiana all the way down to the Mississippi River, uh, you know, touching the Missouri border, um, they're, they're affected by this. And, you know, obviously I think the trade believes that we'll get back in. But I, I think you've got to start to, to edge off the top end yield here uh, as far as looking at 172, 173. I mean, that, that's going to be tough to achieve given the, uh, the, the lateness of the planting and the amount of moisture that's sitting over a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, water holes everywhere replant looking and, and you know even the higher ground up up in central illinois is probably going to need to be replanted thanks john john Payne, senior marketing analyst daniels ag marketing chicago go to danielsagmarketing.com get more information dewey nelson reporting on the rural radio network